Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Who is the boss? Who is the boss? That is what our whole series is about that we kicked off last week. And our daily lives are this consistent grind determining who or what is actually the boss of our lives. That regardless of what we try to do, regardless of our motives or, or how we try to change our behaviors, regardless of the walls that we put up, regardless of whatever we do, the reality is this truth that's on the screen. The true boss in our lives is whoever or whatever sits on the throne of our heart. No matter what we do, no matter how we try to mask it or hide it, no matter what goes on, the true boss in our life is whoever or whatever sits on the throne of our hearts. And we saw last week that there's four really key emotions that are vying for control in our hearts. There's four key emotions that throughout our life, throughout our day, throughout the circumstances we go through, they're trying to take control. And those four are guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy. Last week we talked about guilt, and it was, it was definitely a, a fun one to talk through. Uh, but each of these things, they have a common goal. These, these emotions have a common goal that they're trying to create a debt between you and someone else. That these, they always leave something missing. It always pulls away from someone else. So we naturally fill those gaps with these emotions. But the beauty is, what we learned last week, is that they all have a really common weakness. They all, their common weakness is that when they are exposed to the light, they lose their power. When we recognize these emotions in our life, when we recognize that they're on the seat the throne of our heart, when we see that and we expose it, they immediately lose some of their power and we can continually take back control and put the true person who is supposed to sit on the throne of our heart, Jesus, back there. So we talked about guilt last week, but this week we're going to be talking about anger. Now let's just be real. Let's, let's just get it all out there in the front. None of us, none of us want to talk about anger right? None of us are angry. If we did a poll in the room, over 90% of us would answer, like the only like a very small percentage of us would say, yeah, I am an angry person. We all would say, no, I am not an angry person. Of course not. Instead, what you and I like to say, and let's just be real, we just have a moment of honesty with each other. We don't like to say that we're angry. We just say, I'm frustrated. I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated totally different, right? I'm not, I am not an angry person at all. I'm just frustrated by what they do. Like if you were to ask me, I would not say that I'm an angry driver. I wouldn't say I'm an angry driver. I'm just frustrated by the dumb things that people around me do. And you know what? San Diego, it's known for its sunshine, but really San Diego should be known for its merging because Every three seconds on the freeway, you are merging onto another freeway, or you're merging onto another road, or you're merging here. And you know what people that drive in San Diego can't do? Merge. 
No one in this city knows how to merge at all. And so it's all the traffic that we have. It's not because of traffic flow. It's because people don't know how to merge. And so I, I just have, I have very boisterous conversations with other drivers around me. They don't know it, but I'm just trying to help them out in their driving skills. I'm not an angry driver. I'm just frustrated by what they do. I'm just frustrated. They, they just, if they could learn how to parallel park and to merge, we'd never have traffic in San Diego. Am I right? Like, that's, seriously, that's all that it is. The truth is that we don't like the idea of anger because that reflects on us internally. Anger means there's something going on deeper inside of us. So it's a lot easier for us to connect with frustration because frustration is external. It's what, what they're doing, what they said, how they're acting, how this, it's, I'm just frustrated with them. I'm not angry on the inside. There's nothing deeper going on. But what we'll see throughout this series is that you and I make a habit of monitoring our behavior rather than monitoring the true condition of our hearts. We monitor our behavior and we, we try to mask it with different things, but what the Lord is asking us to do is to, to check our hearts and see where we're actually act. We will act and say and pretend to have it all together in order to mask what's going on deeper. This this is something like like this is something we all deal with, right? This is a judgment-free zone. This is not not like, oh well, uh, here we go again. I'm in trouble. No, we all deal with this. We all, whatever emotion it is, we all try to cover it with something else and push things to the outside because we don't want to seem emotional because we understand this. Look at this on the screen. It's in your notes. When our emotions are in control, things quickly get out of control, right? We know, you know that person in your life, we're not going to own ourselves yet, but you know that person in your life that you would label them emotional, it's like, oh my goodness, everything that they do, everything that's happening, they're just over the top, it's just crazy and full of emotions. Like, we see that when our emotions are in control, everything else quickly gets out of control. But let's talk about that dreaded label of, of anger because there's a couple of different versions that we need to look at in order for us to really understand what anger is. And the first one is the one that we all recognize and see. It's extroverted anger. That anger that's over the top. It's, it's yelling. It's intimidating. It's, you know, that, that parent in the store that's freaking out on their kid in the store. And we're like, oh, that's embarrassing. Like, why would you? That's too much, too far, right? Like, we see that extroverted anger, and that's the one that we all go, oh, no, 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 that's not me. See? See, I'm not like that. My uncle is like that, or my dad's like that, or my wife is like that, but I would never, I would never be that way. And for some of us in the room, for some of us in the room, that, that is the anger that comes out. For some of us, we are that extroverted person, that anger comes out in the form of yelling. It comes in over-the-top actions. And, and as soon as it happens, we feel that guilt creep in, and we're like, oh, man, I did it again. But there's a second version that I feel like so many more people deal with, and we, we try to push it to the side because we go, well, I'm not extroverted anger. But the other version is introverted anger. It's quiet it's masked by mood swings. 
It's this silent assassin that can be just as intimidating and just as damaging in a household, in a relationship, in a friendship. It's quiet. Introverted anger looks like that husband or that wife that they get angry and they just shut down. Right? No, nobody elbowing anybody yet. All right? Just, they, they shut down. They get quiet. They, they shut down emotionally. They shut down verbally. They don't say anything at all. And they control the situation by not giving anything. Right? They, it's zero progress in the situation because they just won't give you anything. It's like talking to a stone. Can I be transparent just for a second? This can be me at times. Like, just being transparent. I know I'm not supposed to say that. I'm supposed to be the pastor. But there are times in my life where when I get angry, and I, I, I don't. I am a pretty emotionally stable person. I'm not an over-the-top. I'm not a yeller. I'm, you're not going to see me, like, punching walls and throwing things across the house. Like, that's just not my personality. But there are definitely moments where I get angry or I get upset about something, and I'll purposefully shut down, right? I'll just shut it all down verbally, mentally, body language. You can feel it in the house. I'm emotionless. I'm stoic. I'm nonverbal. All three things that are the polar opposite of my true personality. But that's how I express my anger. And what's even more frustrating for Lauren is that what I'll do is I'll be in one of those moods. I'll be shut down. And then she'll kind of get in one of those moods, too. And then later when we talk about it, I'm like, you didn't make anything better. I mean, you just got in a bad mood, too. So we're both in a bad mood. You didn't even try to get me out of my bad mood, right? How annoying is that? Here you thought it'd be awesome to be married to a pastor. It's not all it's cracked up to be, I promise. Maybe that's just too transparent. And maybe, like, it's, it's like chipping away of, like, wait, what? Yes, there, there are aspects of our lives that if we're, if we're not honest about it, if we're not transparent about it, we'll miss it. We won't be able to find that healing. My, my anger doesn't show an explosion. It, it shows in just quietly controlling the situation by not giving anything. Introverted anger. So what about you? Take the spotlight off of me for a second. How does your anger show up? How does it show itself in situations? How does it control your life? How does it control the different circumstances that you walk, you, you walk through? What are those areas in your life that you white out the word anger and you write in frustration? What's that area? Is it, is it with your spouse? Is it with someone in your family? Is it a coworker or that boss that just absolutely annoys you? Where does that anger show up? Is it with your in-laws? I can't help you there. That's on you. Jesus, again, he reminds us that our actions don't stem from external conditions. It's all about the heart. Look at this, Matthew 15. It says in verse 18, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. Jesus says, from, for from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. It's like, whoa, what are we, what, what? Jesus is saying to us that the source of all those things comes from a common place. It comes from our heart. That the condition of our heart is where everything else springs out of. Like we talked about last week, when you're in that situation and something flies out of your mouth or you do something, and you're like, whoa, I don't know where that came from. Jesus will go, it's from your heart. 
It came from your heart. And if we don't deal with the root source of our emotions, we all have a propensity to go too far. Like you see this list and you're like, no, what? Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying. Like, no, 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 no. Well, that's not me. But Jesus is saying the source of all of those things come from the same spot. As we saw last week, each of these emotions, they create a debt between you and another person, you and the, the people around you. So what is the debt that anger creates? Look at it on the screen. Anger says, you owe me. That's what anger says. Last week, we saw that guilt means I owe you. This week, anger is you owe me. Anger comes from us not getting what we believe we deserve. But you and I, we think, no, 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 no. That's not true. It's because of what they did. It's what they said. It's what's going on. We're going to look at that in just a second. We see a, a really powerful truth come from James, the brother of Jesus, who writes uh, just this amazing book in the Bible. But before we get there, just if there's ever like a really telling example that Jesus was who he said he was, it's in the example of James. Because James is actually the half-brother of Jesus. Like, they have the same mama, right? And James walks through life with Jesus side by side, seeing him do all these things. And at the end of Jesus's life, he does something unbelievable. He looks at his brother and he says, yeah, he's the real deal. Like, he's the Messiah we've been looking for. He, he is the Lord, right? What would it take for you to look at your brother or your sister and go, they are from heaven, they are heaven-sent messiahs, and I just believe everything. And more than that, I'm surrendering my whole life to them. Could you do that with your brother or sister? I'm just, I don't know. That's just an amazing example that James is able to look at Jesus and go, you know what? I know you're my half-brother. I know we got the same mama and all, but you, you are who you say you are. And he writes a book in the Bible about it. And he, he became a, a famous um, pastor after Jesus' death. But let's, let's look at what he says in James 3. In James 3, he says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. I'm just going to give you a little side note here. It doesn't have anything to do with anger quite yet. But have you ever known a know-it-all? Don't elbow anybody. Don't know elbow. Have you ever known a know-it-all? Right? James, if he, were, if he had the chance to speak to them, he would say this. You know what true wisdom is? It's humility. True wisdom is humility. The willingness to not have to be the smartest person in the room. The ability to show honor to others. And that's just a side note, but I just, it's, it's always good. It's a good passage of scripture. But he says, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. And he continues in verse 14, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Eesh. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. You know that sometimes the loudest person in the room is the one who's dealing with the most internally. 
the loudest person in the room, many times they're trying to mask what's happening in their life. And James would say, don't, don't try to hide your, your issues going on inside. Don't, don't try to hide your selfish ambition by, by being boastful and having this bravado and carrying yourself as if everything is all good and being louder than everybody else. Don't hide behind your insecurities. Because when we allow selfish ambitions to take the throne in our hearts, we'll find disorder. That's the next point in your notes. When we allow selfish ambitions to take the throne in our hearts, you will find disorder. Anger shows its power when our selfish ambitions within us take control. We can try to justify our actions and point to other people and point to the situation and point to all of those other things. But the truth is that the root of our anger is feeling that that person, they owe us. They owe us. There's something that they were supposed to do that they didn't do. They're not giving me what I deserve, what I expect, what they, even what they promised they would do. They're not doing what they said they were going to do, so I'm angry with you. James continues, what causes the quarrels and the fights among you? Now, wait, wait, wait a minute, James. You missed it. You said what? You said, you said what? It's not a what, it's a who, right? Like, who is causing quarrels and fights among you, right? It's, it's a who, not a what. It's my mama. My mama's always in my business. She's always trying to find out what's going on. And she's, it's her. She's the one who starts the fights. It's my boss because they come in. They don't know anything that's going on. Then they walk in the room and they want to change everything. It's my boss. It's they are the ones who causes the quarrels and fights. It's my know-it-all daughter. It's my, it's my son who thinks they have it all together. James, James would smile at us and he'd go, that's cute. That's why we're talking about this. Because look at this major, this is a huge point that we have to get in our heads. As long as you think you're angry with a who, you won't get to the root of the problem. James intentionally says what causes, not who, what causes the root problem. Look what he says. This is so good. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? No, 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 it's, it's them. It's on them. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Settle down, James. Like, nobody's murdering anybody. Nobody, like, where are you going with this? James is like, no, 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 no. Don't miss it. The issue is not them. The issue is not the external situation. The issue is that it comes from the desires that are in us. James would argue that our anger stems from the battle that's going on inside of us for what we believe we deserve. The reason we get angry is because we're not getting something we're expecting. We're angry because there's something that we believe should be happening and it's not happening. Well, I, I should have earned respect from my boss by now. I should have earned, okay, so you're frustrated because your boss isn't giving you respect. Yes. So there's something that you want that you're not getting. Uh, okay, yeah. My wife promised she would do better about that. 
She promised me she wasn't going to do that anymore. My husband promised that they weren't going to keep coming in late. They promised that this wasn't going to happen anymore. So there's something that you were expecting in the situation, and they didn't do it. And therefore, you're angry because something you wanted didn't happen. What they did wasn't fair to me. They, they, they all have something in common. And the thing that they have in common is that we expected something and we didn't get it. Internally, we wanted something, we expected, and they didn't own their end of the problem. We get ourselves in trouble when we don't own that our anger at times stems from stuff that's going on within us. Think, think about it this way. We get angry with our kids when they mess up the house, not because they mess up the house, but because they messed up our peace and our quiet. And I got to go pick up the living room for the 15th time today. And I'm tired. I'm frustrated with you because internally you're making me do something I don't feel like doing. We're angry with our spouse when they don't give us the honor and the respect that we feel like we deserve. We're angry with our coworkers because they aren't giving us what we expect them to give us. But here's the deal. You see, the feelings that you're dealing with on, on the inside, it's not the only part of the problem, right? It's not the only issue in the situation, but a lot of times it's bigger than we would like to give it credit for. Because here's the deal, a broken promise is a broken promise. If there's something that was, was owed to you, we, we deserve respect. We deserve honor. We, we deserve for people to hold up their end of the bargain. Jesus isn't saying you're wrong for being angry. He's just saying own, own that your anger is coming from something you expected happening. It doesn't mean that what they did is right and they're off the hook and they, they broke a, a broken promise is a broken promise. An expectation that's set is an expectation that's set. But you and I have to be careful in our life that we don't view our anger as solely external. It's just everything that's happening out here. I'm all good on the inside. They're wrong. I'm right. Because sometimes there's things within us that we need to deal with first before we try to deal with the anger that we have externally. You cannot take control back from anger until you own that your internal battles are contributing to the situation. One of, one of my favorite pastors that I follow, he was talking about anger, and he said this tool that's been really, really helpful for him, this, it's going to be this phrase that's on the screen. He says, you drop this in the middle of an argument. You know what the problem is? I'm not getting what I want. Like, where do you come back from that? Like, right? If you're in an argument with your spouse and it's like, well, you said you were going to take out the trash and you didn't take out the trash and you, well, you said you weren't going to do this and you said, well, you know what the problem is? Yeah, what is it? I'm not getting what I want. And in that conversation, we own our part. We own that there's something inside of me. There's an expectation that I had that's not being met. And my anger is stemming from that. You know what? If we're honest, sometimes the other person never even knew that's what the expectation was. Sometimes you and I have expectations of people that we set for them that they don't have a clue. Think about your coworkers. Your coworkers have no idea what the expectation is that you have of them. But yet you're angry with them. You're frustrated with them. 
they don't know what you were expecting. Sometimes in a conversation like this, when we own, hey, I'm not getting what I want, it changes the conversation because they see, oh, wait, what is it that you want? What are you really mad about? And it forces us to talk about what we're actually mad about, what we're actually expecting and what we're missing. And sometimes for us internally, it shows that maybe we had an expectation that was too high of somebody that we're not there yet, right? We're not there in the relationship. We're not, we haven't clearly articulated to them, hey, this is what I expect. This is what I want. Like, I joke about it all the time. Like, when Lauren wants Starbucks, she never just says, hey, baby, I want Starbucks. She goes, you know what sounds good? Well, now I've learned what the expectation is. When she says, you know what sounds good, the expectation is I turn the car around and I go and get whatever sounds good. But for 10 years of marriage, I've gotten it in the last year. We're on year 11, so I finally figured this out. But 10 years of marriage, I'm like, just say what you want, woman. Tell me what it is that you need. We have to clearly articulate what we expect Many of our relational issues with whoever it is, it stems from a lack of clarity around what's expected. And so many times we have to own our expectations. We have to own internally what it is that we're looking at. Here's the deal, though. Our faith journey, our faith journey with Jesus is this continual nudging away from being selfishly driven. It's this continual nudging away from focusing on ourselves to focus on compassion and grace. I mean, just think about Jesus, our our ultimate example as we close today. Jesus, who chose to humble himself to the point of dying on a criminal's cross when he deserved the polar opposite. Jesus, who came down from heaven, sacrificed everything for us. So while you and I go through our life and we want to wave a banner of what we deserve, look at me, look how hard I'm working, look at what's going on. Jesus goes, hey, I I hear you, I get it. But I want to continually nudge you closer and closer to the life that I lived. This journey that we're on and this relationship with Jesus is continually pushing us more and more to be like him. The hero of heaven who sacrificed everything to be a lowly servant and to die a criminal's death when he had never done anything wrong. What is the root of my anger? What is my frustration? What are those expectations that I'm holding on someone that I'm saying, you don't even know it yet, but I'm telling you, you owe me. You owe me because you're not meeting my expectations. What are those things within us that we need to be able to go, God, help me to not let this internal battle that's going on inside of me spill out on the people around me. God, help me own what's going on on the inside so that I can love people the way you've called me to love them. As we pray today, as you bow your heads and you close your eyes, I want to just give you a a second in this, maybe the only quiet moment 
of your week to just take a second and reflect and say, Jesus, search my heart, search me. What is it inside of me that I need to make sure that I'm in right standing with you, God? Jesus, what on the inside of me do I need to surrender? Let's pray. Jesus, right now in this moment, Lord, we open our hearts to you. We ask you to search our hearts. Jesus, come right in the middle of that that war that's raging inside of us, that's fighting for what we, we feel like we deserve and what we expect. And Jesus, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would just give us peace. And Lord, we understand that just because there's things going on inside of us, it doesn't mean that what people do to us or against us, it, it doesn't take away that. It doesn't mean that we're wrong because we're hurt. It doesn't mean we're wrong because we're frustrated. It doesn't mean we're wrong because we're angry. But Lord, we saw you live out this example that when you were angry, you chose not to sin. So Jesus, help us that even in our pain, even in our hurt, even in our frustration, even in that word we like to avoid and in, in, in our anger, Jesus, help us to not try to hold it over the other person. Help us not to lash out and hurt them because we've been hurt. Help us, Jesus, to take the approach that you did when you humbled yourself to the cross that you didn't deserve. And as, as they nailed your hands to the cross, you said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. God, help us to have that kind of compassion, to have that kind of grace, to be able to share love with those who make us angry, to have compassion for those who have hurt us. Give us the strength that we need. Give us the courage that we need. And Lord, we pray that as you heal us from the inside out, that the way we respond will change and that we're able to put you on the throne of our hearts, that nothing else is going to run my life but Jesus. Nobody's going to run my life but Jesus. Lord, have your way. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.